It's, uh, it is so good to worship in this way, minus the masks. Hey, let's not kid ourselves. And so if you're watching in the building or, or at home, you're, we're one big global family. And thank you for making it, you pioneers. Week one, if you're here, you made it. And if you didn't get a ticket, uh, hey, no worries. I want to give a shout out to some of our friends who are watching online who, who didn't get your seat. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to Josh and Ruth in Belfast, Ireland. They didn't take the flight over, but uh, they texted me that they're watching right now. We got Lawrence in Uganda. You're watching. We have the stickers all the way in Manzanita who are, are watching. And this is weird and good. We're God's family no matter where we are from. So welcome, everybody. And uh, I'm grateful that you're here. Kids, students, thank you for hanging out with us. This isn't your normal class, and there will be a time where you'll go back to your class, but we really appreciate you being here with us for a bit, and it's okay to ask mom or dad, whoever you're with, hey, I'm getting bored. Could you give me something? Totally cool, right? Judge-free zone here, and uh, for you moms and dads for bringing your kids, thank you so much, especially the little ones. Uh, Well, um, here's here's where we are. We're in in the middle of still uh, a global pandemic where travel for the first time for most Americans you can't go in most places around the world right and financial financially there's so much uncertainty and we have the wildfires we are on international news folks for the worst uh, air quality in the world I don't know if we're going for that prize but right now we've got it and in the middle of that uh, I think we need this more than ever we need one another. So whether you're watching and tuning in on the live stream, whether you're here, we need one another. Church is always about people. And thank God for technology, right? That we can connect by video for months, but we need one another. And so what we're going to do here, and just so those of you who are watching, if you're not ready to come, no biggie. But for those of you who are able to come, we're asking you to press in and make a commitment as often as you can. And we're meeting at 9 and 11 now. And thank you, by the way, for following and the temperature checks and the, and the hand sanitizers. What we're trying to say is we actually care about those who are a little nervous and are, are in a spot where it may be unhealthy. We want this to be the best place for them. And rather than thinking about ourselves, we're willing, like Jesus, to sacrifice for the good of others, right? So thank you for doing that and staying in your seat. And at the end of the gathering, you're going to know you went in that door and you're going to go out that way. And we appreciate you making the effort and struggling with us because I'd rather see you minus the mask. I love your smile. Right now you can frown, you can yell, and I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't know it. I have no idea. Well, we're, in this, um, we're, in, we're going through a season. And so this is the reminder. The reason we're meeting now is we, we believe that this is a season of life. And when we look back, one day we will laugh, not today, would you agree? We're not laughing right now, but we will laugh someday. And we're gonna think back of the lessons we've learned. And so we've been in this long study on the way of Jesus, which had already been planned a year ago, but the timing couldn't be better because we're trying to figure out what it really means to follow the way of Jesus in a difficult world. And it just so happens we're in probably the greatest challenge of our life. I don't know about you. I don't know if it can, can, can 2020 get any weirder. I hope not. I really hope not. But maybe it can. Well, we're going to look at Matthew 7. Last week we, we ended in Matthew 6. And I think God has a word for us. In the middle of all the madness, Jesus has a word for you. He has a word for me. And it's a word of hope. Let's just read the first few verses of Matthew chapter 7. And let's look at, I I promise you, I didn't plan this text for us meeting in person, but you're going to see how relevant it is. Do not judge. We could end there. (laughs) 
right? Isn't life just judgy right now? Do not judge or you too will be judged for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Verse three, Jesus gives an example. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? And then Jesus evaluates, verse 5. You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And then he, he has a strange little parable, but it's connected, trust me. Do not give dogs what is sacred, and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear to pieces, and it just went weird, right? The non-judgy thing, but then the pearls, the pigs, the dogs, I don't get it. It actually speaks into the, what's obvious, where it begins, do not judge. Now, what is Jesus up to? Look, look at verse 1, super clear. Don't judge, or you too will be judged. Remember that when Jesus is giving this message, he's not just giving a bunch of random little things that could help your life. Jesus is showing us the way of life with God, the best life. And in, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 4, Jesus says, uh, Jesus, I, he went about preaching and sharing the good news of the kingdom, how to live under God's good rule. What is the best way to live? Jesus actually offers it. And it starts with blessing, not with a bunch of rules. Blessed are the, and he announces this blessing. Those who follow him are gonna live in, in a right way with God and a right way with one another. So Jesus goes from blessing and then talks about all sorts of conflict. How do we reconcile? How do we forgive? And if you found this challenging so far, join the club. Um, if it were you and Jesus, it may work. But here's the challenge. It's never you and Jesus. It's all of us in the room, all of us online, all of us watching later. It's all of us in Jesus. Remember, Jesus is speaking not to a person. He's speaking to the crowds. And here's his words. Parenting multiple kids is challenging. Yes, someone knows. And it's so true. If you have one child and you can raise them like, kudos to you, congratulations. If you can raise multiple children and, and send them out the door alive and even flourishing, that's like miraculous. Here's why. Uh, I, I was talking yesterday to, um, to Dave and Casey Malat. Maybe some of you know them. They're in our church. Well, they have four children under five in the house right now. And if you're not a parent yet, you don't understand what crazy is until, until four kids under five. And so they got Bennett and Reagan, hello if you're watching, and then they have twin girls, Reese and Bryce, and they're totally adorable. And, and the problem is Reese and Bryce, twins, are, have now learned to climb. So poor mom, while Dave is off at work, poor mom navigating five-year-old, three-year-old, and then two climbers who are choosing to say, well, well, mom said don't do it, which means we should do it, and trying to jump off the couch. Now, navigating one child hard, navigating four, challenging. Navigating a church, navigating all of us from different walks of life, different preferences, different, different opinions. How do we, Jesus is saying, do you want to know the best way for any group of people to thrive under God's love and God's rule, do not judge. So when mom or dad have to step in and say, stop it, it's mine, it's mine, he did it, she did it. 
And, and the parent comes in and say like, wow, this isn't really all that important, right? What's important is that you actually live in a way that doesn't drive me crazy. But that's, that's the truth. But if you want to have a family that isn't at each other's throat, we need to get to the point where we, we see the other person. Do not judge. Now, when Jesus says don't judge, he's not saying, hear me, he's not saying do not think. Jesus is not saying take any opinion, you know, anything goes. He's not saying that at all. The last line about pearls, pigs, dogs, sacred is going to inform that. Jesus is saying we have to think, but here's what's important. We shouldn't quickly rush to judgment. When the Bible says here from Jesus, do not judge, it means do not condemn. Do not suggest before God this other person's guilty. Don't take the place because, frankly, who has all the facts? You? Who knows the heart? Who understands someone's background and why they do what they do? Who understands the larger story? Right now, if you are frustrated, you know why? You can't breathe. Outside, the air is so smoky. If you have a tinge of a headache, it's probably not COVID. I'm telling you, it's simply your brain is trying to process all of this stuff in the air. If you're nervous, you should be. There are wildfires all around. I got family in other parts of the country saying, you can come to us. I'm thinking, how? I can't get out of here. And so since we don't understand everything about everyone, here's what we should not do. Don't be quick to condemn someone for the way they think, what they feel, or what they do. Here's why. You too will be judged. Three things that Jesus is saying. Now, he is saying we want to navigate through problems. If you're having a challenge with someone, this is going to be super practical. I want you to hear three things from Jesus, and we need to do them in order, all right? So write them down. Number one, write this down. We need to look up. The first thing that we need to do is we, we need to look up, and here's why. If we don't get our eyes first on God's perspective about someone else, we're going to misjudge them. You ever been in that situation where you realize, I can't believe they did that, I can't believe they do that, and you find out like, oh, something happened at home, and they were just hurting. And so they, they may have lashed out at me, but really they didn't have to do it with me. It's like home was really challenging. Or they got some terrible news, and out of frustration or out of, out of just uh, exhaustion, people do things that they sometimes wouldn't do. And so who, for us who follow Jesus, this is the best way to live, who do we go to first? If I'm having a challenge with you or you're having a challenge with me, who's the first person I go to? We need to look up. God is the one who sees every life, every idea, every heartbeat, every um, rationale, every excuse. He sees our problems. He sees our sin. And he knows us deeply. And so if I'm going to be right with you, who do I need to go to? First, you know. First, I need to go to God. He says, do not judge or what? you too will be judged. In other words, God's the one, the only one, who can give a rightful judgment. And so if I want to work it out with you, Jesus says the, the way of life under God's good, good rule is all of his kids come to who? We come to him. And so do not judge. Now, Jesus says this in other places. What's the, what's the better path? If it's not supposed to be judgy, look back at chapter 5, verse 7. We looked at it weeks ago. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown what? Mercy. So what's the alternative to judgment? Jesus says, 
blessed are my people who show mercy to others, who extend mercy to others. Why? They, they're going to be shown mercy. There's something about the giving and receiving. Chapter 6, verse 12. Jesus says, when we pray, Jesus, oh God, forgive us our debts as what? As we have forgiven those who have a debt against us. And so the, the right way to begin any, especially, look, I'm, I'm sharing this in September. There is a small election about to happen in a few weeks. And this is a rightful word for us right now. We look to God, forgive us, God. I'm not going to point the finger. Why? God is the one alone who can pass judgment. Now, why is this important? Verse 2, in the same way that you judge other people, God says it's going to be measured back to you the same. How many of you want the same kind of response that you're giving someone else right now? I think in, in just, we, we take it for granted. We're willing to dish it. We don't want to take it. And so life under God's good rule is where his kids all come first to him. And he's not saying we shouldn't evaluate. The person coming against you, the person who's done something, they may have legitimately done something wrong to you. And Jesus at the end is going to show us how to act. But first he says, look up. Now this, this makes total sense for us. Let's get super practical because of the season we're in. And I'm just speaking, if you're watching from another church in another country, great. But I'm speaking to us right now should we be meeting in person or should we be online only well you've already cast your vote okay <laughs> like those of you who are here but um should we stick to the 50 or should we just say church is necessary and as many people come should we drop the mass things because we have personal freedom or should we should we think about following the guidelines that have been given to us here's what i am saying every one of you already has an opinion please do not judge should we open up businesses faster and schools faster or should we wait until there's like a cure or a vaccine i'm just saying it's good to have an opinion don't judge right now in the city of portland we're making international news headlines like daily on one of the longest uh, uh protests that have now turned to riots and turned to violence over racial injustice here's what i'm going to say jesus gives a word about racism. He said, well, what would Jesus' position be? He just said it. Do not judge. We don't, we don't want to put it. What is he saying? Do not judge, which includes for us who follow Jesus. Do not make judgment on someone based on their skin. Here's why. God gave them their skin color. And when humans treat other humans in dishonoring ways based on the color of their skin, the, the accent in their voice, the passport that they hold, or whatever other reason, the hair color, whatever other reason, then we're acting unlike God is the one who creates. And he says these people are good. And so, okay, so we know we shouldn't be racist. Are we doing enough as a church to speak to the issues of racism or have we done too much? What I'm saying is if I were to ask you all one-on-one, -on -one, you have an opinion. I'm simply saying do not judge. Should you vote for, should you vote? Do, don't judge. Should you vote for Trump or Biden? Do you know I've looked, I've seen people in our church who have said on their feeds, basically if you're not voting for this candidate, something's wrong with you. 
because the other is going to send us on a road to destruction. Now, it is okay to have an opinion about policy, about politicians, about whatever you want to have. Here's what's the challenge. Jesus says, don't judge. So please don't get to the point where you're going to suggest, I've seen some, not from our community, but I've seen them from Christians who said, if you vote for them, you can't really be a Christian. God help us. When we take the place of Jesus and we say, I know the facts, therefore I have the right to judge. Um, let's get personal. There's a vaccine that's going to come out in the next few weeks or months. Oh, this is going to be great. Should you get the vaccine? Should anyone get the vaccine? And what do I do if someone suggests I might get the vaccine? Here's what I'm suggesting. We are going to have different convictions, and I'm not downplaying any of them. Here's what I am saying. Whatever my conviction, I need to look up first. And I, not, I need to not immediately point the finger at you and say that I've got it right. The problem with judgment is it always assumes I'm right. And what happens when we're not? So Jesus says, look up. Sh should I get up and leave the gathering because Jose's getting in my face? Don't judge. And there's only 50 of us who so look really weird. So you may want to, you may want to stick it out to the end. All right. Second thing is Jesus says, not only look up, but we need to look in. Look at verse three. Look in. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, you actor, you pretender. First, realize there is a plank. Take it out of your own eye, and then you'll actually clearly see to remove any speck in your brother's eye. We have heard this for so long, we have forgotten Jesus is the greatest comedian ever. This is total. If they would have heard this on the hill, they would have all started laughing. But we've made it a metaphor, right? They would have actually started laughing. Because when Jesus says a plank, the equivalent here for us would be a telephone pole. So imagine Jesus is saying, hey, everyone from time to time is going to get a speck in the eye. You would agree, you know, just go outside and you'll like be squinting. There are times when you can't see straight, you get it wrong. In other words, for us, there are times where you don't have all the facts. There's sometimes when you make a mistake, there's sometimes when you don't know information, it's not available to you, you don't know it. And so you make a judgment. We all get specs. But what would happen if I had a telephone pole? It would block my whole face, people. So Jesus' visual, it gets lost in translation. Because literally he's saying, if you got a telephone pole in your face blocking your view, how can you actually see what's in anyone's eye? It's totally blocking your view. In other words, Jesus says, before you pass judgment, before you judge someone else, look to God, because God's the one who's the rightful judge, and he can actually evaluate they were wrong, you're in the right, and God can reveal to you. But then what he wants to do is he wants us to look in to see Where's the hypocrisy in my own soul? We live, my friends, in a cancel culture. It's actually a term now. Where basically, if you do something, there's going to be a hashtag with your name on it. Cancel Jose. Because he talks about, you know, whatever. And unfortunately, everyone in our society is quick, quick 
to jump on the bandwagon of canceling someone because they've done something, said something, ignored something. And so there is this like movement to say, I'm not going to support anything they've ever done in the past. They're canceled. The challenge with a cancel culture is it's dishonest. The moment I'm saying, I should get rid of you, and most of the time we cancel people we don't even know. What we fail to do is to first look, have I done anything like that? Now, maybe you didn't do it big enough, and maybe you don't have enough followers, and maybe no one cares about your life, so you didn't get caught. You didn't get caught. I didn't get caught. But who here can honestly say, we haven't done some of the very things or thought about doing it, and so we immediately, that's the cultural bent is towards canceling people and division and you're in my camp or you're out. And Jesus is saying, there's such a better way to live. Yes, we deal with the issue. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But first, I look up to God. God, I don't know them. Things are rough. God, I'm coming to you. Guide me. And then I look in and say, God, search my heart first before we confront the issue because there's a real issue. God, see if there's any wicked way in me. And Lord, I, I'm, I'm sorry. And there very well may be a speck in their eye. There may be something that needs to be dealt with. There may be a conversation that needs to be had. But Jesus is saying the order matters. I look up to him and then I look in because God is the judge and the king and Jesus can actually deal with my own junk first, and then, and only then, verse 6 starts to make sense. Okay, so we, we looked at looking up to God. We looked at looking in and letting God evaluate our own life. Now, when I come clean and I let God deal with me, then verse 6 comes into view. Do not give dogs what's sacred or throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, when you think of a dog here, I think of my Daisy because she's like a cute little, like, she's got a poodle head and a terrier body, and she's got feet like a dachshund, so she's like really low to the ground. She's a hot mess. You look at her, you th she's like a Franken dog. Like, you took a dog head and a dog body, no joke, and you, you put it together, and she's so adorable. Jesus, dogs in Jesus' day were not fluffy pets. It's closer when you look at a wolf or a coyote like scavengers, like animals that are looking to, to grab your food because they're really hungry. That's what he's referring to. You don't, give, you don't give them what is sacred. If you have a scavenger, I'll give a perfect example. If you've got a, a scavenger and, and you give a dollar store rug for them to lay on, they may tear it up, rip it up. Are, are you going to give them like your grandma's heirloom rug, you know, to that scrappy dog? No, because they're going to pee on it. Whether it's a dollar store or worth a million bucks, a dog is a dog, and they're not thinking value. A pig, I mean, how many of you have seen a pig with a string of pearls around its neck? A pig just eats slop and rolls in dirt, and it was the most unclean animal to them. Don't think Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig's glorious. Think, think filthy that, that a Jewish community would never get near, let alone eat. And he says, you're not going to give that your thing of value. Here's what Jesus is saying is, we do need to evaluate. There are things that are sacred and precious. There is right and there is wrong. The third thing Jesus is saying, after you look up and then after you look in, I want you to look out. I want you to be careful. 
There are people who are going to run in a way that's contrary to Jesus. They're going to have vision and values about life, people, ways of living that are unlike sacred, unlike the pearl. And what Jesus is referring to is his way is sacred and his way is the pearl. It's valuable. So there may be a time for, for us to communicate in a non-judgmental way and say, I hear you, I see you, I understand you, I can't go along with you. I'm not going to give my precious valuables when it's going to be trampled on. Because Jesus says at the tail end, they may turn around and tear you to pieces. They may take you to places you never wanted to be. And there are ways of living, friend, that are possible, legal, and totally destructive. Would you agree? There are ways of living that will not get you closer to God and not help you thrive in life. And Jesus is saying, and notice the order, if you and I, his people, come to him instead of pointing the finger, and we ask God to deal with us, and we learn, and we grow, and we repent, and we're shaped by God's vision and values, then guess what's going to happen, my friends? Now I'm going to be in a position to discern and I'm going to see what's sacred, and I'm going to see what's valuable, and I'm going to hold on to those things. It does mean in some relationships, we can be loving to one another, but we're not going to be close, right? Because you have a vision and values that's way far from the love of God, and I want to live, and my family, we want to live a life that's honoring to God, and I'm not going to throw away sacred. Jesus is saying we can thread the needle. It's possible to evaluate, judge, right? Evaluate, honestly discern and say, this may be possible, but it's not best. And not be judgmental. I think, frankly, uh, the default mode in the Portland metro area, I don't know where you live, in the Portland metro area, is Christians are hypocritical and judgmental. Think of the people that you know that don't follow Jesus. I think the default mode, whether right or wrong, is that Jesus-loving people say one thing but do another, hypocritical. And they're the first people to point the finger at others and say, we're right and you're wrong. And what Jesus is saying is his way in the kingdom is upside down. If we are looking to him first, and allowing him to deal with us, we actually could be the people, and I pray that we are as a church, that surprise other people. That we have an opinion, but we're not pointing fingers. That we're able to speak about what we believe and why, but we're not tearing people down. That we're not the first to slam everyone else that doesn't agree, yet we have a firm way of living that's actually good <laughs> and attractive. And Jesus is saying, it's possible, it's okay to critique and to think, it's not okay to live like the culture that cancels everyone. Do not judge or you'll be judged too. All right, so the question is now, where do we go from here? Like, okay, this is, would you agree this is easy to say and near impossible to do? Like this is, this is so easy to say, but we gotta start somewhere. So here's what we wanna do as a church family, whether you're here or they're watching online or later on, on YouTube. The answer is to draw near 
to Jesus. Remember, Matthews 5, 6, and 7 are all about Jesus showing and inviting people to become disciples, to become learners, and to follow him. Right before he gives this teaching, he went to specific disciples and said, follow me, follow me, follow me. What this implies is we still have stuff to learn, right? And so the invitation this morning is to remember we need Jesus. This kind of living is countercultural, and most people don't want to do it. Most people just want to say, I'm right, you're wrong, move on. But may we be the kind of people who are able to love others who have a different opinion and be discerning. That we don't cave into what everyone else is doing because everyone else is doing it, yet we're like salt and light. And we're able to give an attractiveness to say, like, you know what? I don't, I don't agree with you, but I appreciate you. I, I don't necessarily want to go your way, but when I'm in trouble, I'll reach out to you. Because they see us as people who are infatuated with Jesus. Because Jesus is the rightful judge, right? But Jesus is the judge, that means he knows everything, who gets off of his preference. He's God. And he comes and he eats with us, broken people. What they say about Jesus? He eats with tax collectors, prostitutes, and sinners. Like, he's, did he approve of any of it? No. But he's actually spending time with them. Not pointing fingers, but pointing the way. And then the ultimate pointing, Jesus goes to the cross and says, okay, sin is the problem. I'll take it for you. This is crazy. But it's absolutely life-changing and true. We come to Jesus because he's the one who, who gave himself to make it possible for my judgmental attitude to be healed and for me to live differently and to love people as God loves them. And he did it for you and he did it for me. And so it begins with Jesus. And so let me just ask you, we're going to, in a moment, remember Jesus. If you're new to our church, we, every week that we get together, every single week, we, um, we take communion because it's the reminder. There's never a time that I don't need Jesus. Never. And there's never a time where I move past Jesus's life, sacrifice for me. Like the only reason I can love anybody is because Jesus has loved me. And the only way I could change my attitude towards you is because Jesus is loving enough to change me. That's it. It begins with Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you've not yet become one of his followers, you actually can. And so when we take communion, this is meant for those who are already following him who said, Jesus, I'm sorry for the things that I've done. I recognize my rebellion has pushed me away from you. And who say, you know what? I believe that God loves me enough that he, he chased me down. And Jesus came to earth and died and rose again and paid for my sin in full. And now, because he's alive, he wants to give me a new life where I begin to walk like him and think like him and talk like him. And I, I'm shaped by his life. And if you've not yet taken that step to walk down that road, you can. When we take the bread and the cup in a minute, I'm going to invite you to say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And it's the beginning of a lifestyle of absolute adjustments where, where Jesus begins to reshape your life from the inside out. Jesus isn't after you following some rules. He's not interested in that. He's going deeper. He's going for the heart. And so this morning, we invite you to follow Jesus. And uh, if you're watching online and you've not, not yet done that, you've just seen a box come up. And I'm going to invite you now 
So if you're saying, yes, I want to follow Jesus, to click that box and let one of our friends connect with you. They want to give you a resource. If you're here this morning and you want to choose to follow Jesus, it's called Good News Today and Tomorrow. It's a little short book to help you live out what this means in following Jesus day by day. And uh, we have it here on the table before you walk out, and we want to get this to you if you're online. This morning, we need him. Okay, let's just assume you've done that. We're going to take the bread and the cup in a moment. But before we do that, I want to ask you three very short questions that frame our receiving Jesus. First is this, who are you wrongly judging right now? Not are you. (laughs) I think we're smarter than that. Before we receive, say, Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who've hurt us. Who are you wrongly judging right now? I want you to think about that person because the rightful step out of this is to ask God to show you how to take one step towards healing in that relationship. Second question, where do we need to extend grace? You know, this is just a hard season. It's like if someone's a young mom or a mom with young kids, I just give them a pass and two passes and three passes and ten passes because raising young children is just hard. Anyone who's been there? Where do we need to extend grace to people just because the season has been hard? Well, you don't know what they've done. Well, actually God does. Maybe, Maybe we ought to extend a little grace to them. Maybe we ought to give them another chance. Maybe we ought to pray for them. Instead of shooting them down. This is part of following Jesus. Third question, where do we live in light of the truth? Maybe there's something that is right and you've not been standing up. It's like you're throwing your sacred things to the dogs, right? Maybe God's calling you to actually say, you know what? Son, daughter, this is right. This is important. I want you to embody this and live this out and share this. Whatever Jesus is saying, Jesus is enough to help you to do it. And so I want you to do this. Some of you are prepared. It should be at your spot. There's a little uh, bread and and cracker. If you haven't done this before, this is a no-judgment zone. If the cracker cracks and disintegrates, you're not in trouble. Like literally, I'm not kidding. Because it's taken me weeks to get this thing to work. And and so you peel it back. The, The little cracker is on top in between. If you did it and you did it perfectly, God bless you. You're just... You're just so much better than me. <laughs> you really are. But take that, whether it's, whether it's crack or crumble. Or, and if you're at home, I would ask you to get some juice or a piece of bread or a, a cracker. And we just want to say, as a statement of faith, Jesus, we believe in you. And Jesus, we need you. And Jesus, we remember you. And so together, let's give thanks. Thank Jesus for what he's done. And then invite him to keep working on us because we need him. Lord, thank you that you gave everything for us. And so now, God, in response, out of your mercy towards us, we want to give everything to you. Jesus, we remember your gift and your love so that we can now embody your way and so that we could stop living judgmental lives like everybody else, but rather because of the mercy we've been shown, live mercy-giving lives and, and yet stand up for what's right and true. Help us, God. We don't know how to do this stuff. Help us, Lord. Bring healing to broken relationships, we pray. Even as we receive you, 
Jesus. Amen. Why don't you take this together? Friends, um, worship is all about response, and so we're going to sing a prayer even while you're seated. And now's that time if the Lord's been stirring you, not to check out, but to take what you heard and make it your prayer. Sing these words, or feel free to sing up a prayer that is stirred by God in response to what he's done. And then as you leave, some of you are ready to keep the conversation going. You want prayer. Maybe the Lord stirred up a person, a situation, and you want one of our team to pray with you. If you're here in the building, all you need to do is on your way out, you can meet with our team. If you're new to the church, there's a place to stop in and get connected and learn more about who we are as a community. And if you're watching online, all you need to do is click the prayer button and a a friend will, um, will pray with you over chat. Lord, we thank you for this grace. And now we want to respond with lives filled with worship. Let's sing.